only have one more question, and it's a bit of a doozy. It's no softball. What is love? Wow, that's a big question, Patty. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no pressure. (laughs) What is love? Putting your partner's or your... You got this. Yeah, I'm trying to put it right. What is love? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Don't people like, you know, isn't that why they uh, do yoga and meditate and travel around the world and go to India to find these answers? What is love? Wow. <laughs> uh, huh. Uh. For me... Understanding love is a very, very tough question to answer. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think we all have a bunch of different ideas when it comes to the heart. You know, dating in my 20s was a total mess. And I feel like I've been getting closer to the goal, you know, marriage and kids in my 30s. But, you know, I'm still single. I'm still looking. And I think a lot of that has to do with my confusion of what and how love is supposed to look. Like, for a long time, I thought love was supposed to resemble something like this. I need you. Everything else means nothing to me. I need you. I mean, who doesn't want real life to look like the plot of a romantic comedy? Um, I think that they're... Elizabeth, Mm. how can you not? They're like so serendipitous and they're so magical and love just kind of seems easy. But in real life, love ain't easy. You know, I think now I'm more focused on trying to find someone who aligns with me and who I align with, you know, like a person I can build a relationship with rather than some kind of Hollywoodized version of one. But I think that leads to the hardest, most elusive thing about partnership. If we're lucky enough to find love, how do we cherish it? How do we make sure that we can keep love for the rest of our lives? Today, we're going to answer that question with the help of three couples who have been in their respective relationships for decades. This is the third and final episode of Safety Third's miniseries about love in the outdoor community. If you haven't heard the first two episodes of the miniseries, why don't you hit pause on this? and give episode one and two of The Love Traverse a listen. In them, we looked at romance in the dirtbag community and how to start a relationship after that first meeting. And we've been following along with Patty as he gave online dating a try for the first time in his 35-year-old life. How's that going, by the way? Uh, it's good. I'm going to have some updates later in the show. Okay. Okie dokie, pals. Who is ready for love? The answer... All of us. That's who. I'm Patty O'Connell. And I'm Elizabeth Nakano. Welcome to the final chapter of Safety Thirds miniseries, The Love Traverse. E. So, for me, I think that marriage has always kind of seemed like this wonderful place where... Like, everlasting love just lives. Mm -hmm. And 
I know that relationships don't always work out. Like I'm not that naive about it, but you know, I'm assuming you like me have heard that thing, like half of marriages end in divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is actually like the U S divorce rate was at 50% in the eighties. That's a real thing. Think about that for just a second. Like that is a lot. That is a big number. Wow. Okay, Mr. Rom-com, you went straight for the unhappy ending. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, uh, I love that new nickname. Uh, thank you. Uh, and secondly, I'm not saying that we need to like focus on the super dark, you know, hard parts of romance. But I do think that losing love, like it falling apart all around you, like that is a real fear. Mm-hmm. I have that fear. I think a lot of us have that. I have lost love before, and guess what? It sucks. It sucks a lot. You know, but when I think about marriage, I think about it succeeding, not not failing. But that stat is just super scary. And I think also, like, we hear about love failing a ton. There's entire genres of music devoted just to that theme. Hello, sad bastard country music. <laughs> so I've heard that stat, but also I'm pretty sure that the numbers on that have been changing. Well, I know that now. <laughs> Thank goodness. Like, okay. I did, you know, I was like, ah, oh, freaking out. So I did some uh, digging, uh, the Googling. Mm-hmm. And yes, fortunately, that high divorce rate isn't true anymore. Actually, Time magazine reported that in 2015, the divorce rate in America hit a 40-year low. It was at 39%. And the amount of people getting married in the U.S. is actually on the rise. It's, it's kind of tough to point to an exact reason why, but Time reported that a few possibilities could be like uh, premarital cohabitation becoming more socially acceptable, and just the fact that couples are not looking at marriage to be this cure-all for their problems. Well, I'm glad that some of us are getting smarter about that very (laughs) important (laughs) relationship truth. Um, But still, you know, like, okay, let's lean into that fear for a second. Why? Do we have to? (laughs) Just be with me here. Relationships end 39%. That's still not a super small number. Right. So it's a fact of life. And while people split for a variety of reasons that are unique to their partnership, there are things that many failed relationships have in common. Criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. That's therapist Hannah Eaton. Remember her from the second episode of The Love Traverse? She runs Sequoia Immersions, a marriage and couples therapy practice that combines traditional talk therapy with couples wilderness retreats. One of the biggest pieces, though, is couples growing apart somewhat or being somewhat disconnected. And often what I see is it's not so much for a lack of wanting to connect. It's just that they're juggling their jobs, their children, um, perhaps their own parents who are aging, and just all of these different demands of life. And so somewhere along the way, they've kind of lost touch with one another. So there's there's this lack of connection and a desire to, to reconnect that's one of the most common things I see. So how do we do this for the long haul? Well, we're talking with three successful couples who are practicing what Hannah preaches. These are people who have been together for multiple years, and we're going to see what they've done to keep their relationships strong. First up, Caroline and Adam George. They live in Switzerland, where they are both mountain guides. Adam and Caroline met while ice climbing in Colorado. And yeah, just heard something whiz by my head and didn't know what it was. And 
you know, yelled down to my friend. He's like, I think someone just dropped their ice tools. It was an ice tool, specifically Caroline's axe. And I was pretty, pretty pissed off, actually, because I, you know, it was kind of a close call. So I was thinking what I was going to yell at this person when they came by. And then it turned out to be Caroline. And so I, I yeah, I kind of changed my mood a little bit. I wasn't so aggressive. I was a little <laughs> bit more friendly. Six months later, they were married. They've been together for 13 years. And Caroline and Adam say they've used their experiences outdoors to better understand and participate in their relationship. It's like if you're climbing a mountain, you, you want to go reach the top. And so you put all these skills and the tools that you've learned uh, in your life to make it to, uh, to that summit. And I feel like in your relationship, it's the same. Every day you learn a little bit more about each other and how the other one works and how to better communicate together and how to reach that goal together. It, it's just like climbing a mountain. You know, by sticking with it, you know, the, the long goal is that there's something better to come. Being a bit stubborn and sticking it out, you know, can be advantageous. You know you can endure more than you think. And I think with that, you can definitely go further and beyond and take the time to understand and work out the kinks and, and keep moving, both in the mountains and in your relationship. Caroline and Adam say they've had to change how they spend their time in the mountains. While they try to prioritize adventures together as a family and a couple, that can't always be the case. You know, before you have children, you just pick up and go. <laughs> and you can do whatever you want and, and sky's the limit, and uh, quite literally. Um, and now with having a child, you can't pick up and go. You have to plan for everything that you want, and it's often at the expense of the other, so you often have to... Compromise for the other, sacrifice for the other. You know, the personal time probably takes the back seat because then there's family and all that. We have to share our time more. So there's like frustration that comes from concessions and like um, having to allow for the other person to have time for themselves as well. And that's not always easy. Uh, and that creates like tension for sure. Adam and Caroline don't let that tension ever fester to become a hulking resentment. They talk through their issues whenever one is feeling the burden of concession and sacrifice. And that is exactly what Hannah advises couples to do. Reconnecting is really significant. Finding ways to prioritize relational wellness and connection. So understanding, gosh, why have we been so disconnected? What's going on with you in your life? And what do you need in the context of our relationship at this time? And creating space to have those types of conversation that promote emotional connection and feeling like, all right, my partner's here for me. That's really key. One of the ways Adam and Caroline strengthen their emotional connection is by spending time outdoors with their daughter. I mean, she she's like the joy of her life. We just came back from the trip uh, through Arizona and Utah. You know, it's like the first time we got to do like multi-pitch routes with her on a climbing trip and like go biking and do stuff that we enjoy doing for ourselves and do it with her. And she was psyched and we didn't have to push her and she... She was all in and uh, we were camping and what was really amazing is it was super cold. It was uh, 
I think like 10 degrees one night and we were sleeping in the van and and yeah it was there was frost on the windows and the inside and we could have slept you know in a hotel or we could have eaten out in a restaurant and she was like I want to eat wild I want to be in, and I want to sleep in the van and she did not want anything to do with comfort and I thought that was pretty cool that my daughter was now taking me out, out of my own comfort zone so I'm really grateful that she's able to yeah just be happy in nature and and for us to be able to share that with her is like really 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 rewarding for sure and uh, I feel like with this trip that we're able to share all that with her it also made our relationship better yeah I think it was really healthy for us this this trip love that like e you know with my pals who have gotten married i love how uh outdoor pursuits have played out in their relationship it's like i think it's a really cool trajectory you know like first they're spending a ton of time together in the mountains in the early stages they're like smooching behind trees in the woods and then often the mountains are like where they get engaged and then like where they get married. And then I think it's really, really cool to see these big badass athletes like shift focus from these huge trips and these huge objectives to like pass on the passion of the outdoors to their like we little kiddos. Mm -hmm. Like, isn't it? It's just like really heartwarming to see, you know, like a pal who I know can like still totally huck their tenderloin off of massive cliffs now like not do that and instead like pizza their way down a bunny slope with their like little ski bum in training. Oh, can we just like, can we put an awe track here, please? That's so adorable. <laughs> well, what a wonderful aside that was, but we are going to continue the episode and we're going to talk to more couples who have been together for decades. All that's coming up after the break. So what do outdoor pursuits look like for a couple who got together in their early 20s and is now in their 40s? How has that relationship changed over time? Adrian and John Schaefer have been together for 20 years. They live in Washington, where they're both guides for North Cascade Heli. You know, we've had our struggles for sure, but what we have done well is really supported each other through, it's crazy to say 20 years of a relationship. And, you know, a lot of that is just when the other person is down, really stepping outside yourself and figuring out, okay, what do we need to do to change the situation as life changes and responsibilities change and all of that, um, just really trying to be there for that person and figure out how you can still have kind of your own identity within this relationship and now for us within a family. So what is really incredible to me here is that John and Adrian seem to be so strong in who they are as individuals and also so strong as a couple, as partners looking out for the other and for their sons. It almost seems contradictory, but it is in fact the sweet spot of a well-oiled interdependent relationship. But I keep wondering, like, how in the hell do you do that? I just think we've been doing it a long, long time. We, we were joking that, uh, you know, persistent mediocrity <laughs> gets you a long ways if you're stubborn. And I think we're both that. Yeah, and I think we also made a really conscious decision to live in a community where we knew we 
could be supported in these endeavors. So, you know, we were really thoughtful about where we wanted to raise our family. And so moving where we moved, we knew accessibility and being able to plug ourselves into a community of people that understood our lifestyle. They were raising kids similar to how we were raising kids. Um, That was super important to us. So I feel like that helped us continue to stay in the field that we've been in and kind of live this really rich life with our family. All of what John and Adrian are saying is right in line with what Hannah says to do. Stubbornness and commitment to hard work is key in relationships, right? They, they don't just happen. They take absolute commitment and dedication to to growing, to improving, to learning how to love one another in the best ways that you can. I also think it's really important to make sure that you are keeping a strong community around you, that you're not relying on your partner too heavily. On paper, John and Adrian seem to just like have it all. They're both super high achieving professional mountain people, and they've managed to continue to stoke the fire of their relationship. To me, that is pretty freaking remarkable because it's something that I've really struggled with. Like one of the things I've done in past relationships is tried to mold myself into the guy I thought I was supposed to be rather than honoring the things that I actually need as an individual. You know, like I didn't want to rock the boat, but when you do that, you just end up losing who you are. So how did John and Adrian make sure They get what they need as individuals within their relationship. We are pretty tit for tat these days. It's like, oh, you're going on a ski trip? Great. I'm going to plan my ski trip uh, and, you know, the end of winter. Or, yeah, you're going to go on a hunting trip? Great. I'm going to start planning my running trip. That sounds awesome. This all sounds like we've got this perfect thing. And I think it's a beautiful thing that we have. But it's not perfect and it never will be perfect. Um, And it's kind of an evolution just because we're very different people than we were when we first met. Uh, We want different things. And we've been fortunate enough that those two have coincided really well. I think it's just kind of being able to fall back on knowing that we are fully committed to each other and to our kids, our family, our lifestyle. And so it's being patient with the process and just knowing that we're going to get through this. Um, It just might take a little bit of time. Sometimes it means diving into that issue right away. Sometimes it means letting it sit for a couple days and dealing with it at another point. A lot of times we hear like relationships are work. Like is marriage hard? I don't think it's the day to day that's going to be hard. I just think it's that that sometimes you're going to have to do things that you didn't want to do for the betterment of the family or, or for the benefit of the relationship or the benefit of someone else. I think there's just those times when you have to make a tough decision that's not about getting to go ski some peak or climb something or go on that trip. But I think we both have pretty strong work ethics. And I don't know if that then like transcends into your relationship because relationships honestly are a ton of work. 
And I think sometimes we're both willing to just kind of put our head down and and do what needs to be done and know that at some point we're going to reward ourselves for that. So, you know, and of course, like seeing relationships around you that you aspire to be like, also seeing relationships around you that you don't aspire to be like, or watching friends and loved ones separate. And, you know, that's in some ways made us address issues in our own relationship, just being like, Hey, we don't, we don't want to get there. You know, checking in with each other constantly. Are we okay? Are you okay? Do you feel like your cup is full? I love that they're checking in with one another, not just assuming that this thing is successful so it can just run on autopilot for a while. And Hannah, well, she agrees. Hannah recommends couples have regular mini weekly check-ins with each other. And then at least once a year, she says a big check-in is a good idea. How are we doing in these different areas? You know, how are we communicating? How well are we expressing appreciation and gratitude for one another? Are we taking time just to have fun together, to go on dates or to get out to the mountains? I think that can be super helpful to just reorient yourself, to get grounded and to look at, okay, those those values that we used to have maybe aren't as important now. We're in a new season of our life where we really want to bring this other element into our relationship. I think in past relationships, I've maybe done a not so great job of checking in and being open and honest about where I'm at and what I need. And probably more importantly, like asking what I can do to be a better partner. You know, I have yet to get to like a handful of years within a relationship. I mean, at any stage in a relationship, I think it's hard to have those conversations or at least it's not easy. You know, for me, I used to hate having those talks. And then when I discovered them, I kind of went a little overboard and began questioning things with Chris a little too much, like to the point where he thought that I was questioning everything about our relationship. Uh I think I've gotten better at it now. I actually don't know, as I'm saying this, uh, (laughs) to be determined. We'll send out the... uh... We'll send out the scientists to find out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think I, I love our final couple. They just seem to have like the relationship thing just dialed. Okay, everybody, meet Bonnie and Jim Zellers. They were both at the forefront of the snowboarding boom of the late 80s and 90s. They met at a college climbing class in 1984, and they've been together ever since. I don't know. I always feel like Jim's just part of me. Oh, my God. My heart feels like warm cookies right now. I mean, are you kidding me? He's a part of her? Oh, my God, I'm a puddle. Okay, sorry. Reel it in. So, Jim and Bonnie's marriage is a prime example of a growing and shifting relationship that deepens over time. Well, I feel like in uh, early parts of our relationship, it was pretty free and easy going. You know, we were on the road. We were climbing. We'd work when we'd have to kind of always doing the fun stuff, running around and not having too many worries. We were hyper-focused on just fun and playtime, and everything was based on where are we going next, what are we doing tomorrow, what are we doing today. And those priorities shifted. Life changes as you take on responsibilities like a home and, you know, eventually kids and whatnot, and... You know, we, we had our moments for sure, like anyone as far as stressors in our lives, like 
building a house or having kids. But Jim and Bonnie have this uncanny ability to not sweat the big or the small stuff. And it's probably because they do something Hannah says all healthy relationships should have. I think having a sense of humor and playfulness is is key, right? Life can be really challenging. And so bringing in that sense of, of play and humor can be incredibly helpful um, for just bringing some joy into the relationship. And boy, oh boy, did they know how to bring that joy. Even though they've been together for 35 years and have had to weather stressors, you know, things like raising two boys and financial insecurity, their relationship still feels fresh and exciting. When I was younger, I used to think that married couples that were really old were super, uh, it was done. Everything, all, the flame was gone. And uh, that's not the case. It's still like a really fun thing. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So I'm assuming that like, you know, like as compared to your 20s, you guys are still going out and doing things in the mountains and then maybe also like still making out on street corners. I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) Actually, yes. Maybe on... (laughs) There go go the Zellers, the real handsy Zellers. Look at them making out on Main Street again. We're not afraid of public displays of affection, that's for sure. Like one of our friends says, he goes, you guys still do that? Oh, that's awesome. I hope your boys hear this and are like, oh, my God. (laughs) My parents are constantly making out. Jesus. (laughs) So what are the Zellers' other ingredients to success? For one thing, time and experience. We're probably less volatile. Like um, when we were younger, you kind of just sort of you know, fly off the handle and say the first thing that comes to mind. But I feel like over the years, we've become a little more thoughtful and maybe our approach is is, uh, softer. I mean, we know each other so well that um, it's become easier uh, to resolve conflict, maybe uh, less emotion surrounding it or, or the immediate emotion that comes to the surface. And in addition to time, there's the good old gem of just not being a selfish jerk. What does she need, you know, to have her day be great? Uh, I do as much as I can uh, to to make sure that that happens. So she's like super fired up at the end of the day. Doesn't always happen, right, Bonnie? But (laughs) I'll give it an effort. No, you're you're really amazing about taking care of me when I've been working all day and having a nice dinner. I so appreciate that. It's huge. As for Jim, what I do to support him is I feel like I try not to bug him about stuff. Like, you know, maybe there's projects around the house, and I feel like I want to not make a list. I used to try and make him make a list, but that didn't go very well. So I gave up on that. (laughs) And I think for him, I want to support him in his time and his freedom to be able to do what it is that he needs to do to keep himself happy. But I also feel like, you know, you throw positive energy out in the world and positive energy comes back. So I feel like we, we nurture that and uh, try to stay away from negativity as much as possible. There's somebody early on, an old friend, uh, Richard Leversey, a guy I did a bunch of fun stuff with in the mountains, so did Bonnie. You know, he's like, you know, 
if you feel like you have luck, just take care of it. And it's a weird thing to say, but in some ways I feel like we've been lucky and we've tried to pay attention to it. Oh, man. Hmm. I really hope someday I get what these couples have. How do you keep love for a handful of decades? That's that's a big, big question. But maybe there is a simple answer. You know, use lessons learned from outdoor pursuits like the Georges. Communicate and find balance like the Schaefer's. And, you know, like the Zellers, allow your edges and your partner's edges to soften over time. You got to honor the luck that you receive. And I, and I think the big thing is that you have to think about your partner's needs to have a kick-butt day every single day. I also think that making out on Main Street probably helps a lot, too. <laughs> Smoochies! <laughs> so, Patty, yes. at the start of today's episode, mm-hmm. you said you have some dating updates. I do. So... This is the part where you say them. You, you want me to talk? Okay. Well, uh, dating is going really well, actually. It's kind of been surprising. You know, I think um, I think the internet dating has really taken, like, the pressure off of me and things in general. You know, I'm working at finding love while kind of seeing it as this, like, fun thing. And I'm actually, like, employing a lot of humor around it rather, like, than doom and gloom, you know? I'm actively looking while dating casually, which is, like, this totally brand-new thing for me. And, honestly, you know, E, I think that I'm just seeing love as this whole new thing, like, in general. What do you mean? I think I used to think that love was, like, how you felt when you were around someone. But over the last few months, uh, you know, with the work that I've done in therapy and definitely with the conversations that I've had with all the fine folks for this miniseries, like, I don't really think I believe that anymore. I kind of think that, honestly, that, like, that's a selfish way to go about love. You know? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, in active addiction and alcoholism in my 20s, relationships are really just about, like, what can I get from this thing and when can I get it? And hopefully that means right frickin' now, you know? And and in my 30s and in recovery, it was like still skewed though. It was more like about trying to fit myself into the person I thought my partner needed so I could get to the goal as quickly as possible, like run downhill after marriage and kids, just like get there, get there quickly. But I wasn't really being myself. And I think like love for me has just been like, it's been hard and it's been a hard thing to understand. And I think- even defining it was as equally complicated as as finding it. And what seems even more difficult than that, like super difficult task, is keeping it alive and well once you do find it. Yeah. I think that's why I wanted to know how everyone that we spoke to for today's episode defined love. Remember that at the top of the episode? Mm-hmm. So let's listen to what they had to say. Here's therapist Hannah Eaton. One way that I like to view it is love the noun and love the verb and love the noun is in my mind it's this experience between two people or within a family or a community or between you know humans and the environment or a higher being Um, so if we think of love as this feeling this experience between two people or a group of people 
Um, and love, the verb, is the one that I really like to highlight when I'm doing my work with couples. Because when we think about long-term healthy relationships, love, the noun, doesn't just happen. It's focusing on love, the verb, which involves sacrifice. It involves putting another person before yourself. It involves admiring and appreciating one another and searching for the good and saying, I'll be there for you through the thick and thin. Um, That's what love the verb looks like. And that's a huge piece that I try to stress in my work with couples is even if you don't necessarily feel it in the moment, it's possible to, to cultivate it through focusing on love the verb. And here's the Georges. Uh, I think lo- love, love is a um, is a fleeting thing. You know, it it takes on many shapes and forms throughout your life, and it can be uh, fiery and passionate at the start, and then it shifts into something denser and more sustainable, and then, um, and and then I think it is that daily commitment to being together I think that's uh, the essence of love for me it's like it requires a lot of uh, tenderness and kindness and communication and sharing yeah it's it's hard to say I think it's just it's a feeling it's something in your life that you know you're better off with than without you probably know when you have it you know you've lost it and you know yeah you're better off better off there here's what the Schaefers had to say wanting what someone else wants. It's putting your own needs aside for the other person. Not always, but especially like when they're down, it's stepping outside of yourself and saying, hey, what do we need to do to pick you back up? For me, it's, it's loving what makes your partner happy. Yeah. And here is what the Zellers thought. I would say that if it could just be defined on example two things that pop up are that pretty much each morning when I wake up, I'm wondering like, what's Bonnie's day going to be like and and how's it going to go? And when I see Bonnie later in the day, if, if we're not around all day, I still get a small twinge of butterflies. I, it still feels good just to see her. For me, I guess... What love is, is just knowing that person is there for you, no matter what happens. They're, they're there to support you and be behind you and take care of you, and you can take care of them, no matter what. You know, I think what everyone is describing here is true, real deal selflessness. Like, I think how you feel when you're around someone is still a part of it. It's an important part, you know, but it's not even close to being the only part. I think real love is understanding that feeling that you get when you're around someone, Mm -hmm. right? And then it's trying to do everything in your goddamn power to make sure your partner feels that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so like look at Bodhi, for example, you know. Your dog. Yes, he is my dog. Maybe this is a little weird, but hang with me here, you know. I think like a really big shift happened in my life because of Bodhi. You know, once this little puppy showed up, like I'm talking in the first week, he absolutely changed my heart. It felt like brand new. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always felt like I've had this like deep capacity to love, right? But Bodhi has like enlarged that. He he made it bigger. 
You know, I found myself thinking things like, you know, am I spending enough time with him? Am I loving him enough? And in the ways that he needs, am I showing up in the right way for this little dude? And he's really like, he's made me look at and confront my character defects, you know, like patience and reaction and like dropping judgment. And the big one, the huge one is trying to think of others first rather than myself. Oh, I look forward to when you start to put that towards our relationship. <laughs> oh my God, that's so mean. Elizabeth, you are, you are the heartburn of my life. Aww. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, Tom's, where are you? Okay. So with love, you know, like for my entire life, I've just been worried that I'm, I'm missing something, you know, mm. like I'm still single. Um, and for the first time in my life though, like I've never been okay with that until now, which is awesome. You know, like Rather than looking at this thing as like this missing puzzle piece, I don't know how, but I just kind of have like faith that it's going to happen. Of course, I'm still looking for love because, right, like it's a need. It's part of Maslow's triangle, you know, like, but I want that happiness that comes with the long-term partnership. I want that for myself, definitely. But I'm not just like seeking this thing to get something just for me. That was the only motivator I think I was using in the past. And, and today I'm more excited to like, have the chance to give something to somebody else. Does that make sense? Like mm -hmm. I'm excited for that person to show up, you know, whenever they do, because I'm excited to just show up for that person. Like, I think my heart is pointed outwards rather than inward now, you know, like I'm looking at love for the first time as this place to give rather than a place to take. Wow. Patty, this is a new side of you. I'm really excited to see what happens. Oh, well, thanks, E. Do you, I mean, does that sound like a little intense? Oh, it definitely does. You should lead with that when you go on a ski date. <laughs> okay, well, it's probably better than like, so like you ski here often, babe? <laughs> oh my gosh, tell me you haven't said that. <laughs> no, no, no. I always go with like, you know, how much does a polar bear weigh? What? Enough to break the ice. Hi, my name's Patty O'Connell. <laughs> I can't believe I fell for that. You've been listening to Safety Third. Our guests today included Hannah Eaton, and you can learn more about her work at sequoiaimmersions.com. We also talked with Adam and Caroline George. Follow their adventures on Instagram at agclimbs and at carolinewearegeorge. And then we talked with Adrian and John Schaefer, and you can find them on their IG handles at Adrian Schaefer and at JT Schaefer. And finally, we talked with Jim and Bonnie Zellers. You can find them on Instagram at highcamp.us and at Bonnie Zellers. Pals, if you like today's show, then spread the word. You know, Safety Third is kind of like that cheese ball at a holiday party. It might be a little weird at first, but after just a wee nibble, you'll be up to your eyeballs in that sweet, sweet, tasty goodness. But remember, pals, when it comes to cheese balls and Safety Third, sharing is caring. So tell your friends and fam about the show. And if you have an idea for a guest, go ahead and send us an email at hello at safetythirdpodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram at safetythird underscore podcast and on the old interwebs at safetythirdpodcast.com. Safety Third is produced by Elizabeth Nakano. Alex Park edited this episode. 
Additional production help from Phil Corbett. Music by my big brother, Brendan Bah Humbug O'Connell. Art direction by Anya Miller-Berg. Fitz Cahal is our creative director. Becca Cahal is our executive producer. And I'm your host, Patty O'Connell. Okie dokie, my friends. Until next time, keep it tight, keep it loose, and remember, safety third. <laughs>